Welcome to this week of sports with Eric and Jordan. As always, I'm Eric Weirdo with Jordan and Angie, and a little short of a week due to some scheduling last week, but uh, yeah, well, let's get right into it. Uh, we kind of realized this after we recorded uh, due to a postponement of a NASCAR race, we missed a very historical topic. Uh, so we apologize for that. Um, Bubba Wallace became just the second African-American driver um, to win a NASCAR top-level race, um, first since Wendell Scott did it in 1963. Uh, Jordan? Yeah, um, NASCAR is not exactly known for their diversity. Um, you know, and Bubba Wallace, you know, he's a very controversial figure in NASCAR. And whether it's because of the scuttered skin or, you know, the whole um, supposedly somebody left a noose, but it turns out it wasn't a noose story that kind of came out, you know, a couple years ago. Um, and that whole controversy, I think it was actually last year um, that happened. Yes. So, yeah, he's, he's been a very polarizing figure, and he hasn't really had a lot of on-track results, you know, to really show, you know, why he gets the attention that he does. I say all that to say that it was the fact that you had a black driver win it in Talladega. <laughs> like historically, Alabama isn't known for being overly welcoming to people of color in the sport of NASCAR. Um, I've never been to an Alabama race, but I've heard some crazy stories of nefarious things that have gone on there that I'm not going to mention specifically, but you can read between the lines. And uh, yeah, man, just a cool story. You know, you know, I love, I love seeing people that seem like decent people succeeding by all accounts. He seems like a good guy, you know, and he's willing to accept the torch of, you know, being the sole black guy in that sport. So, or at least the sole, you know, 100% African-American guy. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, he's from Alabama. I mean, he was born in Mobile. Uh, he's, he's got some, he's been close. I mean, he's, he came in second in 2018 at Daytona, third at the Brickyard in 19. Um, he's had some opportunities, and I mean, I've been to races that were called due to rain, but this is what people, the people that don't know NASCAR think it's boring, which it can be, yes, but there's a lot of strategy involved. And one of those strategies is, hey, if this looks like this rain's going to be called, if, rain's coming and this race will be called you put your driver in a place to win and that's what they did um and it's a in the 23 xi racing team brand new to the, the series this year denny hamlin michael jordan i mean that's a great win for them and nascar is doing a lot of great diversity programs um, a lot of young women and minority kids are getting into it. Um, and this win sets that tone that they can do this. Sorry about that. Um, and well, I mean, there's been a lot of things NASCAR is trying to do to make it more inclusive um, from banning the Confederate flags at races to these diversity programs. So We'll see. I mean, hopefully it gets more interest from minorities now and go from there. Progress is progress, you know? So anybody that wants to fault NASCAR for it, man, like at the end of the day, like I'm proud of the sport for finally, you know, taking a stand and saying, you know, we want to progress and evolve. And we're, you know, this is not the only story, unfortunately, involving race we're going to talk about this week. And you know, this is actually a positive one that has a great outcome. So I'm proud of the sport. I'm proud of Bubba. Great win. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully it can turn the tide in his career. Um, it didn't do much anyway in terms of playoff-wise, but because uh, he wasn't in it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, one win, 12 top 10 finishes. So hopefully, like I said, it keeps it gets some momentum going. You got the Charlotte Roval today. Um, when we're so we'll see see if he can continue it um but yeah 
that's a that was the lead we wanted to do this week just because we completely forgot about it and again we do apologize um for that but um yeah i mean it's again peak uh, peak season college football and the upset have continued with the biggest one going down alabama jordan yeah i watched i watched the and i caught at the end of the michigan game last night as you know because you know i started blowing your phone up late and um that alabama game was like you know jimbo fisher going into that game you know or not sure that nick saban was 24 and 0 against former assistants and I did not think Jimbo Fisher would be the one to break through. I mean, Texas A&M always has a good team. They always just seem like the kind of team that kind of chokes whenever the game matters. I thought for sure. I think I said last week it was going to be Kirby Smart. And I was wrong. Uh, that being said, Kirby Smart's at Georgia team looks absolutely amazing. And they crushed Auburn. So I fully expect them to move into the number one seed now or number one overall team. But, yeah, I mean, late in the game, you know, what really impressed me is uh, Texas A&M quarterback Zach uh, Calzada, you know, the second-to-last drive for them, you know, he gets tackled at his knees. He kind of, It looked like a Kimo Von Olahoff type move. Throws a dart in the end zone, ties the game up. Alabama has a chance to go down the field and essentially ice the game. And they can a three and out, essentially. And even though this kid was carried off the field by his teammates, he comes back in and leads his team to a game-winning drive. And then they kick a game-winning field goal with a kicker that missed two field goals last year at Alabama. So, um, freaking awesome win. I've always thought Jimbo Fisher was terribly overrated myself, but that's not the week for this. So, uh, great win for Alabama. Uh, and, um, you know, Alabama – they're still going to be the number two team, I think. So <laughs> they're only going to drop one, maybe two spots, but I still think it's them and Georgia as the best teams in the country. Uh, Eric, I'm sure you guys had an important win yesterday, as we discussed. No, the I mean the Texas A&M game, um, you mentioned how far you think Bama will just drop to two. I don't think so, because Iowa made a great comeback. Yes, they're number three, but they – Make a great comeback against Penn State to win at home. I think they're going to jump to number two um, just because of a, Alabama lost on, on the road to an unranked team. I think they're going to be very – I think they're going to be still a maybe third or fourth team. Um, but I think Iowa will jump them. Um, Georgia's definitely – Don't be surprised if they don't. The Georgia SEC bias is real. Georgia is definitely going to be number one. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Oh yeah, I mean they've they're they're murdering ranked teams on a weekly basis. You know, 34 to 10 win over Auburn yesterday. So uh, that team is so unbelievably impressive. Uh, I ended up going back and watching some of the highlights. They just they kicked the crap out of you, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and then uh, I mean, there's some entertaining games too. I mean, the Red River rivalry was unreal. I mean, Texas was dominating. Then Oklahoma came back and with the game tied, was in the field goal range and tried to run out clock. They ran it in for a touchdown <laughs> um, with three seconds left. Um, so it's it the largest comeback in the history of the rivalry. It was the most points scored. Uh, Big 12 defense, everyone. Um, but then, yeah, and then the SEC, you had the battle of the teams that got blown out by Georgia and Alabama, Ole Miss and Arkansas. That was a crazy game. And Arkansas went for two, and quarterback missed a read and incomplete, and Ole Miss won 52 to 51. <laughs> hey, uh, going back to the Red River game real quick. I don't like admitting I'm wrong about stuff, but I will as a quote-unquote professional, using that term loosely. Spencer Randall got benched at halftime, and that's why Oklahoma won that game because his crappy play 
I think it's the second year in a row he's been benched in that game. Second and week in a row Lincoln, he's been benched too. Lincoln Riley finally pulled the trigger, and I don't think he's a top prospect anymore in the NFL draft. I think, you know, in the biggest game for Oklahoma of the year, it, other than like a title game or a championship game, it's the most important game on their schedule from bragging rights and everything. For him to get pulled for the second year in a row in that game and then second week in a row, I think you look at a guy like Matt Corral, the quarterback at Ole Miss, you look at a guy, um, the kid out of Liberty, I think they've both passed Spencer Radler and Sam Howell yesterday. Yes. You know, they Carolina got beat up by an FSU team that hasn't been able to beat up anybody. So I think yesterday was a shift as far as pro prospects are concerned. But yeah, I was totally wrong about Spencer, man. He he's way too much bad Spencer than he is good Spencer lately. So yeah, I think you're. I think they definitely took a drop. I've seen the mock drafts already. Um, most of them do have Matt Corral going number, being the top quarterback off the board. Um, but yeah, I mean Caleb Williams. I mean when he came in, there was a throw. There was a throw he made to the front of the end zone. It was a, just all around spectacular play. I can't remember who the receiver was, but he threw it to like the right in the goal line. The receiver towed it, towed the line, the ball crossed the plane. It was just unbelievable body control. <laughs> and the throw was incredible. I mean, this Caleb Williams kid, I didn't know much about him until yesterday. Him coming in was the reason why they won that game. Yeah, because they had a quarterback that, you know, has the same level of arm talent as Spencer, but just makes better decisions. With Spencer, it's not about what he can do on the field. The kid is, like, one of the most athletically gifted quarterbacks, you know, I've ever seen. But, damn, I mean, you know, (laughs) what's our favorite saying? You know, he's got a $100 arm and a two-cent head. and dollar arm head. Yeah, and it's like that Spencer, like, ladies and gentlemen, your college football representation of that line. Spencer Rather. Um, I did want to call out really quick to you. I don't know what dystopian world we live in now, but when I see Kentucky going out and blowing out LSU, oh, uh, even if it is in Kentucky, like Oh, my God. What kind of world are we living in, Eric? Don't, don't sleep on them in the SEC. Um, I mean, they could they do have some talent. Um, it's a, Mark Stoops has done a great job there. Uh, so we'll see how they go. But you kind of mentioned the way we were talking about Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams. So going to one of the ABC night games last night, Michigan-Nebraska, it's the same deal with Michigan. They have two quarterbacks that can do the job. Cade McNamara has been the starter all year and has quote unquote game managed wins. And he did well. I mean, Michigan trail for the first time all year last night. And, but there's just some decision-making that's just not there. It's missing reads. It's underthrowing. There were two touchdowns he missed because he overthrew. Um, And just, I mean, it's kind of frustrating to watch. And then J.J. McCarthy comes in, one of the top quarterback prospects last year, and he has just been used for RPO and has thrown it, has thrown it but he's got a better arm. And I think the decision-making is already better than McNamara, but Harbaugh's going to Harbaugh. He's, it's been frustrating because he's stubborn about some of the things he's done, but he seems to finally become less stubborn. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a hard fought win. Um, I, we knew it was going to be tough as fans watching that game, Nebraska, look, week zero, they get, they lost to Illinois. I said it, you said it. We all really thought it, I mean, Scott Frost is done, but considering who they had coming up, Oklahoma, Michigan state this year is no slouch and they played them tough. And I just it, don't see him keeping his job, dude. They couldn't get they just couldn't get out of their own way. And I'm watching my dad and I watched this game last night. I know you're blowing up my phone. I'm ignoring you because <laughs> I'm watching the game. And uh I 
this is what they did. I mean, they had Michigan had kicked a field goal, like under two minutes to under three minutes to go. Clock's running. Adrian Martinez, who I thought I'd been there forever, but I confused him with Taylor Martinez. Um, so I do apologize, but he tried for the extra yards instead of going down. He had three timeouts and he fought for those extra yards and Hawkins from Michigan strips the ball out. And all of a sudden Michigan's just like, okay, we got the ball. And it forced Nebraska to use all three timeouts. I would have liked a better third down play call than putting McCarthy in on an RPO. I would have just had him run it um, or hand the ball off to Higdon or Blake Corum to at least do a dive play to run some clock out. But it didn't. Um, and Michigan still won. Uh, big uh, big defensive stand. Uh, stupid taunting penalty by Dax Hill, but he made a great play. Um, thankfully, those are dead ball fouls. Uh, yeah, that's why I said to you. I'm like, I'm yelling at the TV like, could somebody get his ass away from the other team? Like, oh, like it, I have no problem with taunting. Like, personally, like, it's a it's a game. Celebrate. I mean, that was a big get play. up. I mean, talk some shit. It was a game ceiling play. Exactly. Like so you, you should the, be you excited. Do the, you do have the emotions and just don't do it directly in his face in front right. of a ref. Like yeah. I wish I could. Like guys, like if you could like free like frame it, it, it was like, like it was like it wasn't as bad as Antoine Winfield. Yeah, it was the like Super Bowl, who did the peace it, sign right in Tariq Hill's face. Yeah, like <laughs> it wasn't like, that bad, it, but it was. <laughs> It was, pretty no, it, it was just like, if you want to look up, like, what does taunting look like in one picture? It was like the Michigan player directly in front of the Mount Nebraska player, and then directly behind them is the ref. <laughs> it's like, no, no, don't, not like that. Like, get up and celebrate with your team, man. Do the little dance that, you know, you yeah. all coordinate before the game. Don't, yeah. don't do that. No, and he had, a, I, he had a great play and had an unbelievable interception early, too. Um, it was almost like the Julian Edelman catch in the Super Bowl where it was tipped and he was on the ground and he just followed it with his eyes and controlled it. And it was a great interception. But yeah, I mean, Michigan's, it wasn't easy, but it, that's a good win. Uh, because the reason I say this is it's been frustrating as a Michigan fan to watch Michigan lose those types of games when adversity hits. Last week, they won on the road in Madison, where they hadn't won since 2001. They had to go on the road at night to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is, those fans were ready, and they came out. <laughs> and it was tough. I mean, they did a good job. I feel this comes up, but it's a tough schedule coming up for Michigan, so we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, college football. Man. Hey, uh, my last shout is Wake Forest holding on to win. We talked about him last week. Against Syracuse. Hey, a win's a win, baby. Yeah, I mean, a win's a win right now. I mean, yeah, there's going to be every – I feel every top team has one game a year where you don't play your best, but you find a way to win. That's what separates separates these teams. Wake is one of those teams where – because I've I've watched some Wake Forest highlights. They're they're getting – they're not like – ready to like explode here in Winston-Salem because the fair is still going on. I, I would say give it two to three more weeks. Let them be seven, eight, no, if they're still undefeated. Have them go into that last month undefeated and it's going to be a party here in town. And I just, again, I said last week, Dave Clawson's such a good coach. You know, he, if you want to look at like the opposite of Scott Frost, it's Dave Clawson. I feel like Scott Frost finds a way to lose the important games. And he has. I mean, every important game he's had in Nebraska, he's freaking lost. So, um, you know, at least as far as ranked top team, you know, at least as far as ranked teams are concerned. And Dave Clawson, man, the, the Deacons are just playing good. They have a quarterback that is just absolutely good. Like, 
you know, that they were such, they've been known as such a run heavy team and not this year, even with losing Sage Sherat at wide receiver, you know, they still um, are just incredible passing the ball. They, they've got talent. I don't know if, I don't think they can compete with, you know, Georgia's or Alabama's or even Texas A&M. Honestly, I feel like Texas A&M would have smashed the living hell to them and they're unranked, but still, yeah. Shout out to the Deacons. Yeah, absolutely. They've done a good job. Clawson's done a great job with that program there um, in Winston. So, yeah, no, I'm rooting for them. Um, I'd love to see them do well. Uh, but, yeah, um, besides it being peak NFL and uh, college season, two, the two seasons are kind of picking, starting to pick up. We're in preseason NBA and preseason NHL, uh, but NBA, I think, dominated the headlines this week with some very interesting news. Jordan? Yeah. Um, all right. So we have this NBA fraud scheme, guys. And I'm going to cover it as much as I can. Eric, feel free to correct me because I'm sure you probably did fantastic notes on it as well. Um, so here's the, the gist of this thing is – 18 former players are named and pocketing over two and a half million dollars worth of insurance, health insurance claims by defrauding the NBA, claiming fake injuries and medical expenses. It was actually 3.9 million and the players actually pocketed 2.5. Um, so then this week you had 15 of those players arrested. Uh, the ringleader of this <laughs> It's crazy how, like, every name on this list of players I'm going to name is guys where I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about them. Um, not anymore. The federal government hasn't. Um, yeah, no, there are some names on there that I did forget well, about. Um. Terrence Williams, the first-round pick, number 11 overall by the Nets in 2009 as the ringleader of this. Yep. And the way it worked is essentially he – Claimed he had an expense. I don't remember. I don't think they named in the article I read. I did read an example where they essentially said one player said he had eight root canals in like one year stretch. And he had them all done at this dentist office in Beverly Hills. So he would say, hey, I went and had this root canal done. And the NBA would go, oh, okay. And they'd look at it and it reimburse him for these root canals. Well, this player was playing in Taiwan the whole time. It would have been physically impossible for him to be going to these, getting these root canals done while he's in Taiwan. Not playing. Um, but yeah, Terrence Williams was the ringleader um, throughout this, which happened between 2017 and 2020. He himself had received over $230,000 in just kickbacks. So not just what he did, but just from these other players, kicking him back and saying, thanks for letting me in on this, you know, which I mean, Hey man, you know, your boy helps you out and does something for you, you know, throw a bone at him, I guess. But, uh, so the names I have, Eric, and if you have more, feel free to add on to it. But the names I have written down were, uh, former guard, Tony Allen, uh, Great Sebastian Telfair. That's a defensive player, by the way. And Tony Allen, all, oh, def yeah, yeah. all defensive team. Oh, eight champion with Boston. Oh yeah. Telfair, I mean, one of the, like, the biggest NBA prospects outside of LeBron James in the last 20 years, you know, turned out to be a real bust in the NBA, but had a decent playing career. Uh, Glenn, Big Baby Davis, I thought was a funny name on the list. Um, you know, big a former Laker, known as a Laker. Big man from LSU. Yeah. So he's not really a questionable person. Shannon Brown. Uh, played on some of those bad Cavalier teams and the Lakers, I believe. That's where I'm known most from. Yep. Uh, Melvin Eli. Yep. Yeah. Um, Tony Roten. Um, Ruben Patterson, former uh, Portland Trailblazer. Uh, and another former Trailblazer, uh, Darius Miles. Uh, and that's else. the list of guys I was able to look up and see, but they're all facing 20 years in prison now. Yeah, this Christopher, whole Christopher Douglas Roberts, the oh, okay, the Memphis was on that Memphis team, I believe. Uh, Jamario so, Moon, 
who See, there's was a, a great, great, dunk, <laughs> great dunker, by the way. Um, yeah, Darius Miles. I mean, actually a decent player, but I mean that whole. I don't get what they. I don't get what they do, in terms of like, why they do that. Um, like it's it's crazy. I mean, I don't know why like you could see any more than one root canal in a two three year span would be anything less than suspicious but that's just my thoughts here's what i get you're a former nfl player you're fighting to get health insurance because you had and you had to sue the nfl to get it your contracts aren't guaranteed they can cut you any minute and their contracts don't mean the shit that they're written on. You're struggling to get health insurance. You've got players that were playing a contact sport where head injuries and CTE is a real thing that has unfortunately led to, you know, some suicides and some other issues out of former players. And then you see the NBA (laughs) and their health insurance covers everybody that played a minute in the NBA. And these fools are defrauding the NBA. For it. And the NBA allows this to happen over a four-year stretch, and it's investigated by the FBI. And the FBI is the one that puts the case open. How mad are you as a former NFL player right now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Portis got Clinton Portis got in trouble, but I don't think that was healthcare related to the NFL. But it does tie in a little bit there. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's very interesting when that broke. Um, they're all in. They're Man, that's just it's stupid. Um, I mean, look, fraud is fraud's like the one thing that will get you caught. You can get away with a lot. Fraud will get back to you quicker than anything anything else. Um, I mean, it wasn't wasn't the government bringing down Capone for all the stuff he did. It was the IRS. Yeah, man. The feds. You don't want to mess with the feds. Defrauding the the government. You you can go rob a store right now. It's going to get you caught quick. You can go rob a a gas station at gunpoint right now on camera and get less time. You could, like, pistol whip the cashier, take their money. Now that I'm telling anybody to go do this, I'm not trying to inspire the next criminal. Don't. Do not. Work at a gas station. Those people work hard. Do not listen to him. Yeah, nobody listens to me. What are you talking about? But um, you could go do that and get way less time and way less charges versus what the FBI would bring on your ass. So, yeah, stupid. Uh, it is very stupid. Um, but yeah, I I don't get it. I don't get why people do this stuff. But anyway, um, continuing the NBA news. Kyrie's done is can is keep doing Kyrie things. I Jordan. Yeah. So I don't think it's possible to cover the story properly without at least bringing the political side to it. So rather than running from it, I'll just quickly acknowledge it. Eric, feel free if you'd like to. If not, you can defer. Um, Kyrie does not want to get vaccinated or has not been vaccinated and a lot of NBA cities and teams are mandating it Um, you know so this is going to be a thing and so here's my stance I am pro choice as far as what you put in your body I think this is a free country if you don't want to get vaccinated don't we can still be friends. If you get vaccinated, I personally am, but I waited a while to get it done just because I wanted to see if the science played out. That's just my personal beliefs. And I did, and we can still be friends. That being said, the NBA is a billion dollar business. <laughs> so what I, what I make my, 
My body is not worth a billion dollars. My body is not worth a thousand dollars right now. Um, so if, it's like I said with the NFL guys, they got to protect the shield. And if the NBA wants to require this, then they can. And because they think it's the best for their league. And as it stands right now, if Kyrie does not get vaccinated, he can only play in 40 games this year. And now the question is, what do you do with Kyrie? So that that's my coverage of it. You know, uh, you know, we can talk a little more about it, but Eric, I don't know if you wanted to chime in or I mean without I mean, whatever you want, been, whatever you feel comfortable discussing with yeah, I mean, the audience. Kyrie is I mean it's Kyrie. He's always done what he wants, and it's always been him. And he's I mean he's made enough money. But look, I'm not he's made enough money to allow himself to make these decisions that he's only gonna get paid for forty games. And as far as what the Nets do, um, I don't know. I mean, this team is built to win a title right now. And look, I mean, say what you want about Kyrie not being the guy to lead your team, which he isn't. He's that guy that's going to help you because of his play. So it's a tough decision for the Nets. It's a tough decision for everyone. I mean, personal beliefs, mandates, freedoms, you can debate it all you want, but it's a tough it's a tough decision to make. Uh, so that's all I'm going to say. I don't know what their decision is going to be, but they're just going to have to look out for the best interest of uh, the Nets. And, I think and that, I that's think, Kevin Durant's team. And it, we know that. It is Durant's team. And he said, like, look, I mean, the expectation is Kyrie will play with us, but we're also ready if we don't. That was basically what he said. So we'll see. I mean, the team is pretty stacked still. Um, they still have two star players. It's not a big three right now, but they're a team that can, I think, win um, given the right players. So, yeah, they, I don't think they need him, but if they had him, <laughs> it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> so, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, this whole thing, notion that somebody could trade for him, I just, why, why right now? You know, like, if you're a team, I, I read on one thing that said that the Sixers should trade for him. Why would they unload one problem for another? You know, and, and Kyrie is an even bigger problem than Ben Simmons. This pro- because this problem can play and shoot. Yeah, I mean, he, like, he got I'm kicked like, out of Cleveland. And he ran himself out. I mean, look, Cleveland, he, I think he realized, I mean, Cleveland tried with him as number one. We saw how that worked. Then when LeBron came back, magically the team got better. And then he thought he could lead his own team in Boston. And whether it's he's not that type of player, which is, he isn't, but he also had some injuries, so look, I mean, Curry's it's proven. Curry is not a guy that's going to lead your team, but he's a guy that's going to help. And if you're a team that's close, that needs a guard, again, it's a tough call to make. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, that's the NBA news. Um, preseason's underway. Some teams have, some players have looked pretty good, but Another season is right around the corner starting this week, um, coming up on Tuesday, I believe. One of my favorites, it's NHL season is back. Preseason's underway. A little preview here. Tampa looking for a three-peat. Other teams starting off with players hurt in Pittsburgh. Teams that are going to struggle, I think. Still Buffalo. Buffalo has its own issues. I mean, the Jack Eichel, I I know you don't know much about this, but Jack Eichel is a great player and has had some neck issues and there's been a debate on how to handle it. Um, he wants he wants an ulterior, an alternate way of healing it, while more like fusion surgery type deal. Other and the Sabres want him to just do a surgery, a rehab, and he's back quick. That's pissed all people off, and Jack Eichel wants a trade. 
CMC might be getting it. We just don't know what. But I do think Jericho is going to be traded. Um, a new team this year, the Seattle Kraken, which is an amazing name. Kind of cool jerseys too. I like that. I like those jerseys. Um, well, those jerseys are awesome. I kind of want one. But yeah, I mean, when, it was kind of funny when we heard uh, this goes back now, probably three years ago or so, when they announced Seattle was going to have a, a team. Two of my coworkers and I, our hockey guys, were talking at lunch, and we're like, we're rattling. I found the names that they were thinking of, and we all love like right away like when we read the crack and we're like that has to be it so thank you seattle for going with the Kraken. it's an awesome name only because every home game at the remodeled key center or key arena i think it's still called key arena um but they better be every intro better be released the kraken yeah dude uh in there the only really info I personally can offer you on the Kraken is that they've I, I've never heard of this. Their minor league, their AHL affiliate, is actually in Charlotte. And it's a joint team with the a, Florida Panthers. That was the first time I've heard of it too. And I've been I played the so game it's, for it's a, I played the game for ten years. I've followed it for almost thirty years at this point now. Um <laughs> I uh I've never seen a joint minor league program, minor league team in anything, in any sport. (laughs) Yeah, apparently it's composed of half Florida Panthers prospects, half Seattle Kraken prospects. I don't know. The coach is Dan Bielsma, who is a name, if you know hockey. I like Dan Bielsma, good coach. So he's their coach. So if you guys want to follow it, the Charlotte Checkers, who actually are a well-established team, they just won the AHL title a couple of years ago. Um, they played the Bojangles Coliseum, very cool arena. Um, if you want to watch some minor league hockey, that's the team to watch this year because I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> like, like uh, what if Seattle decides to call up five prospects? Are they going to refill it with prospects? Yeah, I mean, Florida it, get more slots. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not I sure that was interesting. The, I'm not sure how that deal works, but yeah, I mean, obviously, with every, it's the same with every, same like baseball with the prospects. Like someone gets called up, someone has to take their place. There is still the ECHL um, teams. I'm not sure if it's still the Florida Everblades for the Checkers, um, but I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm not sure. Like, yes, but I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if there's a. ECHL affiliate with the Kraken off the top of my head. Um, but, I mean, look, I mean, it's going to be a fun year, I think. Um, awesome that Seattle got a, finally got a new sports team, though surprising NHL got there before the NBA. Uh, and I really they hope should have never left. Supersonics really, was a cool name. I really hope it was a one, cool. I really hope it's the same deal um, with the Hornet that whenever Seattle returns to the NBA or the NBA returns to Seattle, they become the Sonics again, like the Hornets. Yeah, I saw a poll and it was like, what should we name the future Seattle team? And it's like the overwhelming favorite. This, the, you have a perfect name. It's the Supersonics. It's like, it's like, you know, like, like Montreal. The Charlotte team should have never been known as the Bobcats. It should have always been the Hornets. Yes. And so, so it's, it's like Montreal with baseball. Montreal with baseball. If it returns there full time, it's got to be the Expos. <laughs> like, I, I just want to see Sean Kent back near a Seattle sideline somewhere. I don't know if he's even like not in jail still or not, but yeah, there's some issues there. But uh, yeah, um, NHL kick puck drops this week. I'm excited. Uh, back on ESPN, ABC, Turner Sports. So that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to watch. But yeah, um, the NHL's underway. You got NBA picking up, NFL. Interesting, interesting Thursday night game. Um, Russ is out now, four to eight weeks, and in news of, I didn't know he was still playing. Geno Smith is the is QB one in Seattle. 
Um, Russ actually had a 149-game consecutive start streak. He has not missed a game as the Seattle Seahawks quarterback. Yeah. So, number one, I don't think we appreciate streaks like that in sports enough. You know, um, Peyton Manning and his streak was unbelievable. You know, it. Eli had a good one. Stafford had a good one. Favre had a good one. Yeah, know. like, it, it is sport. Favre is the longest, and he's played through. Like, their days, like, every – at most people would be like, I think I remember one that continued the streak was like I think 2003 or something. He played the day after his dad died or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then his wife with the cancer and stuff she had. Say what you want to about Brett Farber as a person or, or as, you know, a good or potentially bad quarterback. But, you know, he was a tough son of a bitch, both mentally and physically. Yeah. Um. You know, and, and Russ is definitely cut from the same cloth. Yep. You know, it was hard to watch after he got hit. You know, he was throwing a ball and smashed his hand essentially on Aaron Donald, which Aaron Donald, one of the cleanest players in the NFL, but it was not a dirty just, play. It was, it was, no, it was clean. There's a follow yeah. through. It happened. This is a football play. It happens a lot, but you don't realize how much that actually hurts. <laughs> um, and the fact that he didn't whine about it, dude. He stayed in and tried to play. You know, I I said earlier, you know, about Zach Calzado from Texas A&M. Like, they literally had you carry his ass off the field. And, like, five minutes later, he's like, yeah, I'm ready to play, coach. Well, I I said to you last night, what in the Matthew Stafford is wrong with that kid? Yeah, because the Matt Stafford's rookie year, Matt Stafford's rookie year, he got drilled in the shoulders hanging by a thread. And he yeah. got back up and finished the drive. Like and against Cleveland, yeah, against Cleveland, he the lines were down six, and Cleveland so called a, Cleveland called a timeout, and Stafford's like, "If you need me to throw the ball, I will." And he's it was his not throwing shoulder, but he's still in so much pain, and he throws a game tying touchdown and extra point wins it. Like so, these, these players, I mean. Call it recency bias, but anytime I see a player do something like that, to me, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, I said this, that's you're a Matt Stafford. So for Russ to be on the sideline and just shake it off, dude, I would have been on, I would have retired. I think Mike Greenberg said it. He said, I would have retired on the field. (laughs) It's the same way for me. Like, how much, imagine how much pain that must be for him to be like, yeah, whatever. Like, what a, that guy's made a fucking stone, I guess. I don't also, know. But... You also just described virtually every NHL player. Well, yeah, but those guys are stupid. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. They, you know, they punch each other in the face, lose some teeth, go out afterwards, get a, get a Guinness. Like, those guys are stupid. But, yeah, man. And it, so it's Gino time. Um, he, Russ had a surgery Friday. Yes. And evidently – they're pushing to have it be like four weeks. We'll obviously see. Yeah. You know, Gino didn't look that bad. As weird as it sounds, he actually made some plays in that game. Let a touchdown drive. Um, you know, if there was ever a situation for Gino to put himself back on the map, here's a four-week audition with a good all I mean, not an amazing bad offensive line, but you know, you've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You can throw to. Yep. You know, Will Disley is a great tight end. Like, Gino, here's your shot, buddy. I don't ever think he really got a fair deal in New York. Shocker. But that was also, um, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a Jets quarterback in the last twenty years, you're like, yeah, me too, dude. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that it, was the, I, I don't get it. I mean, I think we're. T- I think we are quick to give up on quarterbacks sometimes um, because of the situation they're in. And yeah, like I was up into Matt Stafford's first two years. I was like, this guy's hurt all the time. Well, then he had that streak from like, you know, like a 10 year streak of playing every game. Um, So you just don't know, but yeah, I mean, 
Geno Smith, I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the during his uh, time as QB one. Um, give him a shot. I mean, he's not gonna. I don't think he's. I mean, he's on the wrong side of thirty um, right now. I think, um, and it's just not a situation to be. He's pushing thirty or at thirty. I don't think he's gonna be a. You're not gonna pay him top QB one money. Um, if he does well in these four weeks, though some teams might. I mean, Seattle threw a massive deal at Matt Flynn for a seven-touchdown game against the Lions when it didn't matter for either team. So it's happened before. Gino's 31. Okay, so he's, so, on, so he's on the wrong side of 30. Yes, but also I'll say this. Ryan Fitzpatrick got a one-year shot this past year to lead the Washington football team. If Jimmy, if Gino goes out and plays well, and you know there's a report that this week came out, I'm just gonna throw it out. Baker Mayfield has a torn labrum in his arm, not throwing his shoulder, not playing well this year. Lots of questions about Baker. If you're the Browns and you have Super Bowl and you know, and you're the Browns, maybe I don't know how. I don't think timeline wise that they would make it work. So maybe this has to be like next year type thing. But you see veteran quarterbacks get shots all the time, you know, or at least brought in to compete, you know, and in Seattle, there's no competing for that job. Yeah. That's unless they're stupid and decide to trade Russ, which I, I never understood that in the offseason. Like, yeah, no, you trade a, Russ, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, but uh, speaking of trade, um, speaking of trades, I know last uh, week we broke uh, – the Jalen Smith release during the podcast. Um, he's uh, unfortunately in Green Bay. God damn it. Um, but uh, the big name was Stefan Gilmore. Um, hasn't played. He's on the physically unable per- to perform list or pup list. Um, but he's going home. <laughs> he's going home to the Charlotte area. Um, Panthers traded a 2023 six round pick for him. Um, it came out that he was released and was going to go everywhere, but it got what apparently there was some paperwork being done as that story was breaking that Carolina said, look, you're going to release him. We'll take it. We'll give you a late pick. And the Patriots said, sure. And with JC Horn out for pretty much the year. And obviously Gilmore's can't play until for the next couple of weeks, but I don't know. I mean, Carolina will, I think, I don't know if Carolina has to pay him, uh, but it's a, it's a big thing there. So here's the thing in that situation. Stephon Gilmore wants a new contract. That's why the Patriots were so willing to unload him. Um, you know, he's talking in the 15 million per year category, which there aren't many teams that want to give a 31 year old corner, regardless of the fact that they are a former defensive player that much money. I honestly believe they brought him in. Number one, Scott Fitter is like, I didn't really know who he was coming out of Seattle. He's like my favorite GM in football right now. Because when they need to do something with that roster, they don't wait. You know, we talked about it last week. They went out and got CJ Henderson for a third round pick and Dan Arnold. And they made that move for CJ Henderson. And here's why I think that you're giving up not a sixth rounder in next year's draft, but in the following year's draft, I don't think they're going to pay Stephon Gilmore more unless he decides to give Carolina some kind of a steep discount, or maybe Dante Jackson's on his way out. That could also be a thing, but you're bringing a guy like Stephon Gilmore around a guy like CJ Henderson who has struggled. He's not been a good pro in his first two years. Um, and if mentor, there was, and can mentor JC Horn. That's what I'm saying. You bring in one of the best corners this league has seen in the last 10 years, and you have them teach these two young guys how to play a corner, along with Dante Jackson, along with a veteran in AJ Boyer. You know, even with Horn not being on the field, he gets to watch how Stephon Gilmore does it. There's value in that, bro. I would give up. I, I, again, Sky Federer and Matt Rule. I love what that team does, man. Like, and I think that's why they did it. They did it because they said, hey, we have an opportunity 
to get this defensive player of the year comes from a winning team, winning culture. You know, let's have him just be around these guys. Let's rent them for, a, you know, three quarters of a season. And, you know, maybe something clicks on C.J. Anderson. And suddenly that third-round pick in Darren Arnold looks like they just fleece the Jaguars, which wouldn't be the first time somebody's done that. But I, I, that is honestly one of my favorite moves in, like, the last, like, 10 years in the NFL history. Um, legitimately, from that standpoint. Jalen Smith, Absolutely. here's the thing. Go ahead, e. Sorry. No, I was just agreeing with you um, on that. Um, so, yeah. Jalen was owed nine. He's owed nine point two million next year. He ain't worth nine point two million. Should have probably never gave him that big extension, but I understood it because he was coming off, you know, a freaking amazing season. Um, so that move was purely based on that and also the fact that we drafted Jabril Cox in the fourth round this year and from what the coaches at Dallas saw they could get the same production Jalen Smith is bad coverage man maybe him going to Green Bay is going to help <laughs> the division out I don't know uh, he, he's, he's a good tackler but when it, when, when it comes to coverage man he, he's lost and um you know, I, I, as a dad, I love Jalen Smith. I will always have love for that dude. The story is amazing. You know, never thought he was going to play again. First, early first round talent, Jerry Jones trade for him back up in the second to take him. And he plays great and he's healthy. And, you know, but it just, it's football, man. And unfortunately, yeah. it's just a thing that had to happen. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And if, uh, yeah, when you said a first-round talent, who's going to go top five that year? Um, and he blew out his knee in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, and it really started the whole – Then, like I said, like – I don't know if these guys these guys don't play these bowl games anymore because of those injuries like that that we've seen. I don't, games that cost them millions on the front end of their careers. Exactly. And, you know, for Jalen, it, it ended up being working out for him. You know, and it's just the, that Dallas defense is there's a leader on that defense now, and it's Michael Parsons and it's Trevon Diggs. It's their team now. It look Michael Parsons. It, that's his defense. Like he is the closest thing to Demarcus Ware we've had since Demarcus Ware left, since before Demarcus Ware, and you know, like I said, then you've got Jabril Cox who. At the time they made the pick, I'm like, okay, like that was a good value pick. I didn't really understand it because we already drafted Micah and we already had like eight linebackers on our roster. And hey, guess what? Football people know more than I do. And that's why they made the move is because they knew Jalen Smith. This is all Stephen Jones, by the way. Jerry Jones gets no credit for this. Anything that's a good football decision is all Stephen. (laughs) Anything that looks stupid is Jerry Jones. Um, and, you know, they they knew back then clearly that something I didn't even foresee coming that if Jalen Smith struggles again, we could shave a $9 million contract for a fourth-round guy that we have control of for some, a couple of years. And they think they can get similar production out of him. So more, more power to Dallas. Best of luck to Jalen Smith and Green Bay, man. I mean, I don't want to see the Packers win anymore. <laughs> Freaking Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, I, I hope he does well, man. I hope he has a good career. And he could always come home. You know, this week, this week I saw Des Bryant in the stands wearing a CD Lamb jersey. And I, I just – I adored that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick before we go, um, MLB playoffs are underway. Uh, man, my – World Series picks look like shit from our preview show. So San Diego didn't make the playoffs. White Sox are down 0-2 to Houston. Every other series is tied at one. <laughs> um, the uh, the Yankees lost, so I'm screwed. So I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> want want. Hey, um, really quick, going back to the NFL. I know we have to wrap up the John Gruden thing. Maybe oh, we'll yes. get into it more next week. Yes. No, we'll um, uh, touch on that. I know we almost forgot it, but um, yeah. It came out um, 
that during the lockout, he was still employed by ESPN, doing Monday Night Football with Tariqo. They, um, he sent an email to someone with the Washington football team and uh, basically with a derogatory racial, racial stereotype about NFLPA president DeMarie Smith. Jordan? Yeah, uh, his quotes, not mine. He said that he has lips like Michelin tires. So that's the quote. Um, I have some questions. Eric, you may or may not be able to hypothesize for me. Um, but I will mention he did apologize immediately. He came out and said, well, you know, I was frustrated at the lockout at the time. And we all I never were frustrated thought, with the lockout at the time. I mean, yeah, t- take a number, Chucky. <laughs> and, you know, he was having a conversation about how Gene Upshaw, former uh, Players Association president, rest in peace, um, would have never allowed that to happen and blah, 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 blah. Um, but his explanation for it was, well, you know, I've always said people that lie and people that are honest and truthful have loose lips, you know, loose like rubber, like Michelin tires. And that was his explanation for why he said that. Um, so here's my two questions. Number one, this was 10 years ago. Why is just this now coming out? And number two, of all of the intelligent people that work in that PR team, they couldn't give him a better explanation than that horseshit. <laughs> I don't believe it for a second. I don't think John Gruden's racist. But holy, like, you and I sitting in class in college thinking of, like, how to, like, PR or spin this. What? <laughs> yeah, man. I don't. So I mean, that's the, my question. Number the, one, reason, the reason it came out is because of all the investigations to the Washington football team. So a lot of things have been uncovered yeah. there. There's a lot of shit going on in Washington. Okay. Um, and that then, team is uh, still continuing to have problems, boy. And then, That's a 30 uh, for 30. I can't wait to watch. And then as far as the apology, yeah, I don't loose lips. Well, then just say that. I mean, I get you. I get you was trying to make a joke, but the way stereotypes have been tied together and everything it it's best to not just say stuff like that um but yeah Yeah, i just we have to be better as like so the we say this so much oh it's just what's saying stupid we have to be better as people man like and if you make a mistake here's my thing if you make a mistake it's okay i don't know what it feels like to be black i never will you don't know it and we said this before on this podcast. We don't understand how that feels to have somebody use derogatory racial terminologies towards us, no. at least from that standpoint. And, you know, DeMarie said it. He's like, you know, this is not the first time I've had to explain to my daughters about racial stuff coming at us and coming to me. It's not the last time, unfortunately. You know, I think back to, like, remember the Titans? You know, with um, Coach Boone's character and his daughter having to experience that. And it's like, I, I'll never know how that feels. You know, so I'm never going to take the standpoint of like, like, I know how they feel. And I'm never going to tell them that they shouldn't be hurt by it. You know, I'm never going to tell Dream D. Smith he shouldn't be upset that somebody compared his lips to Michelin tires, which is clearly like, a reference to his lips being historically black and how they've been described. I'm never going to explain to him how he should feel. But do I also think like John Gruden's a bad person and a total racist? No, I don't. No, so it's going to be interesting to see what the league does. I mean, they've already leagues come out. Raiders have come out and said, Hey, it's not what we stand for. Um, This is so be interesting to see what the deal, what they do here. Um, if they suspend him, if they find him, I don't know what, if they have him do just the, this sounds bad, but I mean, they might just put him in the classes, sensitivity classes, 
So who knows what they're going to do. Oh, can I please record that? Um, I want to see him in sensitivity training. So we'll see what we'll see what the league or Raiders do with it. But um, yeah, uh, that's going to wrap up this week. Um, as always, I'm Eric Weirdo with Jordan Angie, and uh, take care. Bye, guys. Thank you.